Hey folks, Alex Simmons here. Uh, just a quick introduction to this particular episode of Tell the Damn Story. It's Chris and I really got into it, uh, really discussing a lot of uh, details and um, backstories and uh, opinions and experiences regarding this particular topic. And so it's running a little bit longer than some of our other episodes. It, uh, it's an hour, almost an hour. And I thought about cutting it in half and decided, you know what, forget it. We're just going to let it run. And if you guys want to stop, go get a sandwich or whatever and come back. That's up to you. So here's the next episode of Tell the Damn Story. Hey, it's Chris Ryan looking for Alex Simmons. Well, just a minute here. Let me just check and see if he's in the uh, men's. I mean, uh, yes, here he is coming down the hallway now. Hey, Chris, how you doing? <laughs> Alex, how are you? Good to hear. Your secretary I'm... sounds so sexy. Oh, you need to have that earwax cleaned out. <laughs> Get some cotton swabs and alcohol and go to it. How you doing? It's been a while. We've been both kind of on tour, running around this summer. Yes, we have covered parts of the U.S. and other parts of the planet. I'm putting out the good word, picking up information and insight, sharing good stories, and discovering that it's always about people over politics. That's right. Yeah. And just in case anybody thinks we're both equally adventurous in our journeys, my <laughs> big adventurous journey was to Pittsburgh. Alex went to Russia, Helsinki, <laughs> different parts of Europe. So there's a little different measurement here. <laughs> I was amazed that I got out of the house. You were <laughs> amazing the world. <laughs> oh, you know, like I said, it's different parts of the team. It's, it's like the Thunderbirds, you know? They had the different vehicles. They could travel underwater, through the air, or into space. You know, we just, we just yeah. divvy up the territory and do what we can. That's, That's right. You were the, you're the guy with the cleft chin. Superhero. I'm the guy with the big glasses, the Uber nerd. <laughs> we date ourselves. Hey, no problem with that. <laughs> but no, but you know what? The event, the adventures, uh, did bring about some fascinating podcasts this summer. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard them, there's a podcast that we did where I was in New Jersey, and Alex was in Serbia. There's another yeah. one about Helsinki. There is not, there's another two-part podcast with uh, artists and organizers in Africa. These are amazing. And if you haven't heard them, you can go back to our available episodes, and they are there. And uh, my contribution this summer was uh, the creation of the Summer of Pulp, where yes, we, <laughs> yes, we did, did eight different interviews with writers and publishers and creators, um, artists, all from um, all from uh, who attended the Pulp Fest in Pittsburgh. Now yeah, that they I were think from about all it, over the United States, though, weren't they? They all were from all over. Uh, yeah. we did Jim Bird. He's uh, Jim Beard. He's an Ohio guy. A couple of guys from Philly. A couple of guys were from Chicago. Um, the uh, uh, young lady, Sarah, she was from uh, um, California. I'm not sure if it was L.A., but she's from, no, excuse me. She was from, um, I think she's from uh, or uh, Oregon. That's not yeah. quite California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. She's, <laughs> well, she's from the West Coast. She's a, she's a left coast girl. 
Uh, oh my! I you didn't. <laughs> Sorry, is. Sarah. Left coast, yeah. baby. Um, okay. So again, all of that stuff is available. I think we might have one encore interview. I think we didn't do. Uh, we didn't publish Collins yet, who's an artist. So we might have one encore. I mean, but we did was, have Joe R. Lansdale. You know, that's right. We that's had, a big. That was a big catch right there. Joe was yep. extraordinarily generous. So you again, had to chase him down two aisles and tackle him, right? You went no, over no, a we, I just, You know, I, I, I paced back and forth for about a half an hour. And then right I went up to him table, and I said, right? listen, I have this. I've been interviewing people. He goes, yes, definitely. Let's do it. And he looked at, uh, he said, here's what I'm doing now. And then I have this little time. And then I have to uh, go and speak. How about that little time? I said, sure. He goes, where do you want to do it? I said, we're probably going to just walk down the hallway he says, that's great. A lot of people would have been like, uh, what? But he <laughs> rolled with the punches and was very generous. So, again, uh, we have a summer of fun as far as different writers. If you're interested in how people work, how people create, how people tell the damn story, this was a rich summer yes, uh, from a global and from an American point of view. But today... We're going to talk about the big common denominators, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have to. We have to. Because, Preach, um, brother. <laughs> we are gathered here today. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the reality is, you know, and you, you heard the enthusiasm in Chris's voice as he talked about, you know, the various meetings and interviews and things that he had. And certainly, had, as you listen to some of the interviews I did, you know, in other countries or when Chris and I talk about being in Serbia or even go all the way back to an episode I did when I was a judge for the uh, Eisner Awards. And that's I, right. I, that, you were in yeah. San Diego. Yeah, that's right. So we talked from San Diego to New Jersey, you know. God, this um, was a really rich summer. Yeah. But here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. To, to create all of that art. And when I say art, you know, I consider writers to be artists too. When, all of that content, that art, that material, those those rich stories visually and in the written form, people have to sweat, and not necessarily biologically, but you have to put in a certain amount of time and thought and energy and emotion into creating quality material. And, and even if you're just starting out, sometimes that's even harder because you don't have multiple experiences and you don't have certain techniques and habits and tricks and things on your belt. So you're, you're really just climbing uphill with a boulder and a half on your back. To hit not only the completion point, but when you can step back and say, there it is. That's a cool thing. That's a great feeling. That's a remarkable feeling. But to hit that point at a designated time, a predetermined deadline, that is the challenge. Every one of these people that you've mentioned and people that I've talked to and worked with, that's a challenge we all have had to face. I'll give and you, how, I'll give you a bit of advice yes. that I got, oh my God, 25, 30 years ago. I was oh. a reporter back then. I was covering the 250th anniversary of the Bronx. And um, they asked me to sit with E.L. Doctorow, the famous uh, 
novelist, right? Thank you. Uh, Rag Tom, going, Billy Bathgate, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay, so right? The titles, so, I know. Yeah. 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 So uh, I was there waiting and this uh, the, the Bronx Borough president of the time, Freddie Farrar, had asked me to do him this favor. I was a local Bronx journalist at the time. And um, I was there, positioned at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, one of the women who worked at um, uh, Farrar's uh, office was at the top. She was coordinating, so she was supervising me as well as other people who were kind of hosting the writers. Mm-hmm. She was smart. She was brilliant. She was a you know, dynamic woman burdened with ridiculous beauty and okay and el doctor walks in and looks past me up to the top of the stairs and sees her legs and i no longer exist as Ah. sexist as that sounds right she he goes up and attaches himself to her and and that's it i'm out so one of the guys, this guy Clint, who uh, was a uh, reformed uh, Daily News journalist and had gone into, you know, helping out the Freddie. Um, he says, listen, there's nothing we can do about it. Would you sit with the other guy? So who the hell's the other guy? Ta- Long story short, I wound up sitting with Richard Price, one of my writing gods. <laughs> this was my first meeting with him. The only thing I knew of him at the time was the movie version of The Wanderers. He has mm-hmm. since done Clockers and the, the uh, Freedom Land and, and so many books. He he was writing for The Wire. He's now one of the, uh, the one, of, if not the head writer, one of the main writers for The Deuce, which is on HBO. So we're talking, um, and this was before Clockers, and we're talking, and I talked to him about writing and here comes the advice he says listen the bottom line is that you got to put your ass in the chair he says writing is a lonely journey you know you're not sitting around saying hey what do you think you're you've got to put your ass in the chair and do the work and that really fuels our two main points today i will quote uh james clear who is a uh, motivational speaker and uh, a writer who's done a lot of work research and talked quite a bit about habits and clear basically says something very similar to that you say put your ass in the chair and he says do the reps because he's a guy he goes to the gym and he works out Mm -hmm. you know talks about weightlifting you do the reps you know, you want to be able to lift a thousand pounds. You got to do X number of reps to build up to that. You know, and and that's you know that's a goal you set. You do the habit. Yeah. He he mentions that Twyla Tharp has a habit um, when she she knows she has to exercise. I think it's twice a week, or she has to go to the gym twice a week. She knows she has to do that. That's something she wants to do. She doesn't focus on getting myself to the gym. She focuses on getting myself downstairs and healing a calf. Mm-hmm. In the moment she hails the cab, she knows she's on the way to the gym. So all she has to do is make sure she gets out of the house and hails the cab. So that makes sense. I got to get into the den and then I can do it. Yeah, but if we but look more modern, the chair. you know, uh, the podcast that we did this summer, we asked, uh, I asked all the different teachers, all the different writers, how, what's your writing habit? What's your daily, you know, and listening to them, you'll hear that every single one of them has a routine has a daily routine, 
has a sense of deadline. And that's really the two things we want to talk about today, right? Well, the question is, what the heck is a deadline? And I don't mean that metaphorically. <laughs> I mean, realistically, uh, how do people even look at it? I mean, a deadline for, uh, and, and Chris is, is fixing breakfast because he's in the kitchen. I can hear the water running. Um, I was cleaning a spoon. I'm very clean. <laughs> um, just so you guys ha might have an image of us sitting at, you know, like a, a, a narrator's or, or a, 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 a yeah, narrator's table or, you know, the guys who uh, do the ball games, um, you know, with the mics and the filters and all that and him in a jacket and me in a T-shirt. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at a desk in a T-shirt, but... He's in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, so, right now I'm in the dining room with a cup of tea. That's kind of oh. a writer, writer effect, right? A little cup of tea. Yeah, uh, I have, and I'm, I have a I'm cup wandering of around the house while I'm talking to you on headphones. So, yeah. Which also says, this is the Bronx. That's, that's what my, uh, my cup says, my coffee cup says. But anyway, oh. deadlines, yeah. how do we look at them? What do they mean to, to people? I mean, there's, there's the deadline that most of us working stiffs are familiar with when your boss or your team leader or uh, your partner even in business says, we got to get this done by this date, or the client says, I need it done by this date. And that's that deadline. And it's supposedly a hard deadline. We'll talk about that too. That's a hard deadline. That's a specific date on the calendar by which time you have to have completed X. Then there's the deadline that we give ourselves beyond the deadline, which is called the drop dead deadline. So that says, well, I may not make the deadline. So when do you really, 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 really got to have it? Well, if the deadline is when they needed to have it or wanted to have it, that's the deadline. A drop dead deadline says I'm going to fail at the deadline. So what's my backup plan? And, and that's a mindset. That's a different kind of mindset that we have to deal with. And I think that those are business, you know, like I said, business situations on the calendar, so forth and so on. You, you have to answer to someone else. And then there's a deadline that some creators, writers in particular in this situation, will give themselves saying, I have this novel, this story, this play that I want to write, and, and I'm, I, I got to get it done, and I'm going to write it. And their deadline, inner deadline, might start out with, you know, I, I, I think I can get it do, done in like three months. And then three months becomes six and then 12, and then you'll run into people who said, I've been working on this novel or this play for, for 15 years. Yeah, then you're not really working on that novel. Yeah, right. So, so I guess part of it is really what, what does deadline mean? What, what does it mean, you know, in the abstract or in the concrete? What is it? Well, I think it depends on context, right? If, okay. uh, if you're working for a publisher or some other person who is cutting your, you a check, the agreement that you sign on for is I'll have this work done by this date and you'll trade me the work for the check. Right? Okay. That's a deadline. Mm -hmm. Everybody on the planet got bills. We can understand that. Your own boss... If you're betting on your talent, right? And mm -hmm. A lot of people are independently published. Then you got to cut that deal with yourself. You know, you, um, 
Joe R. Lansdale says, uh, yeah, he does, uh, I think it's three to six pages a day. And if he goes over, it's fine, but he doesn't go under. And okay, other people do 10 pages. I know um, uh, Stephen King does number of words. God, whatever works for you, right? Mm-hmm. But it's because he wants this done so he can go to the next thing or whoever it is, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have, if you have a daily writing amount, it'll get you to the deadline. And, but, and, and that's, I'm sorry, go ahead. But especially younger writers, newer writers, less experienced writers. Sloppy writers. You can, you <laughs> sloppy writers. Yeah. You know, you can write and rewrite and rewrite. And, you know, if you're kind of fooling yourself, you can still say, well, you know, I, I did six pages. They were redoing the six pages from yesterday. Well, that's, you know. There's ways to slow yourself down, get in your own way, right? There's that great adage. If you can just get out of your own way, you'll really be amazed at how much you can accomplish. Exactly. So, yes, you need a daily writing routine. But also, I'm going to have this short story slash novella, novel, whatever it is that you're working on, comic book script, screenplay, poem, whatever it's going to be, opera, Give yourself a deadline on the calendar, right? Well, I'm going to do, you know, my, uh, the short story has to be um, seven to 9,000 words. Okay, well, I do, I write this many words a day, do the math, figure out your deadline, add two days, right? There's always something that, that might slow you down a little bit. And then that'll be in the back of your mind to get there. Um, Some people will say also with that, Chris, with what you're talking about is, um, I think like, like uh, uh, Chris Brogan, not Chris Brogan, um, Chandler, Chandler Bolt, uh, who has a, an online thing called uh, uh, Self-Publishing School. Um, Chandler's interviewed a, a dozens of professional writers, some of them independent, some of them mainstream. And one of the things that he talks about and they talk about is uh, a support buddy. That's not the exact term they use, but, you know, basically making yourself accountable to somebody else for you hitting the deadline promise that you've just made. So, you know, uh, you might say, as you did, break it down to how many words per day or how many hours per day you're going to spend on it moving forward constantly each day. And by day X, you're going to have, first draft the rough draft finished then tell people this is what i'm going to be doing this is what's supposed to be happening and it's a person or maybe you have two or three accountability buddies that you're going to call on and they're going to help you stay theoretically uh accountable for hitting your mark every day you know it's a support system theoretically i say theoretically because you know again if people want to get in their way they will and, and that's something else that you have to deal with. And I think that brings us to, uh, not to get away from, from habits, we're going to absolutely continue on that, but it brings us to also the, you know, the questions that we must ask ourselves as we are trying to develop as writers, as creators, is, is this a hobby? Is this a profession? Is this something I want to make money at? Or is this something I do for the love of it? Or just as, as a, a gift I give myself? 
and how much time or pressure do I need to put on myself, so forth and so on. In other words, try to get clear on your goals. Because you, as you said a little while ago, you know, context, in context, if we're talking about professional jobs, then not only are you dependent on getting that check, but there are other people that are going to be working on your project that are also dependent on getting the work done so they can get paid. Whether it's a, a, you know, a nine to five job that they have in post-production on, on graphic novels for DC Comics, or it's a freelance editor who's waiting for the book so that they can edit it for you and get paid by you so they can move on to their next job. So in a professional circumstance, you're one of X number of people involved in the project and you playing with the timetable messes up everybody else's. So once again, how do you see yourself? How do you see your pursuit of this goal? Is it a hobby? Is it something you do as relaxation? Is it a dream and you're, you're still working your way up to maybe a professional standing, but you really want to, or are you a professional in the business? And if so, how do you see deadlines? And if you're, if you're going the independent route, you're going to have to make that decision sooner or later. Oh, yeah. And okay. probably it's healthy to make it sooner. If you're serious and if this is not a hobby, you know, if it's a hobby, God bless you. Have a good time. Yeah, you know? really. Yeah. Um, but if you're serious and you want to be professional, well, then you've got to conduct yourself as a professional and you've got to hit deadlines, produce work, get it, you know, get it edited, do all the things that the big boys and girls do to make sure your work can stand shoulder to shoulder with theirs. And, and I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and, you know, again, uh, we talk professional. Uh, professional to, to Chris and I and to the people that we respect has certain bullet points. You know, and if you don't make those bullet points, you have to take responsibility for that. I have gone back through some things that I've done that got published, and I've cringed. Uh, sometimes it's because I could have phrased something better, and I wish I had. Or in a couple of independent projects, why didn't I catch that? Why didn't the editor catch that? Uh, damn, you know, it's like you can't go, oh, well, uh, 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 that, that was a mistake of the printers, or that was – no, you know, you – you, you, you did it. So, or you didn't do it, and subsequently, there it sits. So if you take responsibility for that, you recognize, okay, I screwed up. Uh, I did it because I rushed, or I did it because I, I didn't pick the right person for it, or I, I, I blew it because of such and such. You can now fix that going forward. You can now hopefully avoid that scenario on the next project. You can grow from it. And that is a part of becoming and sustaining professionalism is to learn from the experiences pro and con so that you get better at what you do. And I think, you know, going back to habits, what you were talking about, Chris, is, you know, setting, setting a, a word count per day or a certain amount of time per day is, is a good habit. Um, getting certain things out of your way. Uh, some people have trouble sitting down to write every day because they've got to make sure that they move the cat off of this or there's no space in the house or it's too noisy in the office or whatever. All right. Uh, Go ahead and finish that. But I want to address that. Getting the cat out of the house. Yeah. Uh, no. So, <laughs> um, 
so you know so what it what you have to do to help you to support your 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 goal is to get certain things out of your way in advance so that when you're ready to work you have a place to go and work or a place to sit and work or a technique by which you can block out the distractions that prevent you from getting the work done go ahead you were going to say well uh, there's you got to be realistic with yourself as well on that excuses could kill right mm. um here's a couple of things to remember stephen king before he was stephen king and he was just stephen king right uh Stevie. <laughs> to his friends yeah he sat with the typewriter typewriter on his legs on his knees you know between the furnace and the washing machine in mm-hmm. his basement mm-hmm. while he was a school teacher right so he would do the school day grade the papers find some time, sit there, and write. And he wrote and sent to every publication out there. His stuff showed up in men's magazines, in other, you know, wherever, because it was just about building the career. So let's approach that. Let's talk about the people who find that they don't have the time. Okay, here's what you do. You give yourself, I would say, an hour. But, oh, I don't have an hour. Then I'd say half an hour. And if you go, ah, 15 minutes. You got to be able to find 15 minutes. And if it means getting up a little earlier or going to bed a little later or watching one less TV show, Mm. find a little bit of time to start. Even if it's 15 minutes, I am going to sit at whatever you write on in front of a pad, I know you like to write longhand first, or a laptop, or on your phone. Maybe it's during the commute to or from work. Write, write every day on that little pad that comes on your iPhone. That's fine. Instead of, you know, instead of doing some other nonsense on the uh, commute. Oh, the, video, the little games, yeah. yeah. yeah just put it. those away, and there's a little, there's a little notepad on, on the smartphone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just open that and, and write. Okay, and, and you, you can dictate time. it too. You could do that too. Uh, some people might be looking at you on a crowded train, but you could. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Any number of things, any number of ways to do it. The idea is to have it. And the first thing to do is to create a daily habit. So if you're going to give yourself, you know, I have a 20 minute train ride and I'm going to write in the morning on that 20 minute tra- train line, or I'm going to write on the way home, do it every day. And don't worry about how much you wrote, about the quality of the writing, about how much you got to come. None of that matters. The editor doesn't matter. The one on your voice on your shoulder doesn't matter. You're just developing a daily routine. You get up early in the morning, don't you? I do get up. That, that came from two things. I was a reporter, and I used to get calls from the cops. This was in the Bronx during the crack wars. And they would do some bust at two or three in the morning, and my thing to them was call me. And I would, because that was the only way dailies was to go to the stories the dailies wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. So I got used to being up in the middle of the night, that kind of stuff. So I would get up before dawn and write. And then when, you know, we had two sons, we had twins, the babies were born, I quickly discovered that once they were awake, my attention was completely on them. And they and as they got older, they demanded that. So, 
I had to write before they were awake. So I stayed with that pre-dawn stuff. Um, because they're, you know, in their 20s now, <laughs> um, <laughs> they're not really coming to pop for everything. So uh, I do have a little and more you flexibility. Miss it. I but know I still, you do. <laughs> you know, I still tend, you know, your body gets used to stuff. So I still tend to get up and do something. Um, but I'm not, that's not my only time of writing anymore. But it's still there. And the idea is to move, do some work every day. And once well, you I, do, do that, then you'll find that, you know, two weeks in, three weeks in, that 20-minute commute, you know, isn't enough. So you do the one going and coming back. And then I, you say, I, you know what, I'm just going to finish that. I'm, I can find this. And you find the time. Right. That's, that's absolutely one. I think the uh, other tools that you can use in terms of developing habits, um, for years and years and years, I, I did a, a lot of scenario writing in my head. And would move scenes around in my head and then I would find time or make time that's another thing finding time and making time are two different things um, but I would you know sit down and start writing uh, and the stuff would just pour out and for you know a number of years that was okay that was really easier when I had less and less of other life stimuli to, to challenge me as you point out once you have children and you're married you have children you're, you're, you have other career things going on you have you know, life challenges, you know, things that are happening both pro and con, um, you have more input in the head and sometimes the scenario moving around, that, you know, use a bigger towel. Uh, sometimes that stuff isn't as easy to do. So I resisted for a, a number of years moving things around on paper or on digital. But what I found over the past few years in particular for me is mind mapping is a good way to do it. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically you take a blank sheet of paper. I try not to use line paper. You take a blank sheet of paper and a pen or a marker or whatever it is that you want to use, and you just brain dump. You, you have a central idea. Let's say it's about um, uh, a mystery you want to write. You know, a, a man finds a, a, a car keys to a strange car that's parked in front of his house, and what that leads to what? what? What happens? Why does it happen? What suspenseful, what adventurous things going to happen? Well, you just think on that. That's your central. Man finds car keys to a... a... <laughs> Where are you? I'm everywhere, bro. <laughs> right now, I'm taking laundry out. I am multi You sure are. I, I feel like... You got to find I feel time, like I'm bro. doing Tales from the Crypt here. Igor, are you down there in the dungeon? That was... <laughs> That was an old style dryer that I have. And every time we bring the repairman in, we're like, is it time to buy a new one? And he's like, the new ones aren't anywhere near as good as these old okay. ones. <laughs> okay. So anyway, you, you, um, you take the central idea, pop it down in the middle of the page in a couple of words, and then you brain dump. Whatever comes to mind, uh, car stolen from, uh, body in the trunk. You don't judge the ideas. You don't question them. You don't worry about spelling. Just like you were saying, writing. You don't play editor. You are purely the artist throwing down the ideas in random positions on the page. Don't look at ordering them in a stack, one, three, one, two, three, four, five. Don't do any of that. Just plop them down. None of that matters. Yeah, none of that matters. It's just getting it out, getting those ideas out, getting it all down until nothing else is coming. The faucet dries. And at another point, it can be minutes later or a day later, you go back to it and you start circling, circling the items that pop out that say, yeah, oh, this would, be, and this connects to, and I could do such, and you begin to build that. So 
in those 20 minute commutes, for those of you who live in crowded cities, where a commute is I stand up holding onto a strap if I'm, if I'm lucky, so I can't necessarily type, um, you can just drop ideas onto this, because you can also you know, write onto these digital maps, you can, uh, notebooks, but you can also just plug in ideas. And plug in, you wind up with a list or a stack of ideas that you can then go to at another time and say, okay, what do I want to do with these ideas? How do I build this into an outline? How do I build or even build this into a plot and then into an outline? And then it allows me to then write, begin writing my, my play, my, my screenplay, my novel, my short story, whatever. Uh, but the idea is to give yourself permission to set aside a certain amount of time and to do certain things to support that on a daily basis. Two more techniques. Uh, for the low tech, which I am often the low tech, uh, I, I swear by index cards. Mm -hmm. And there's many a student who has passed me in the hall and asked me what I was writing. Because I would have a hand, I would have an index cards in my hand and I'd be writing something while I'm standing in the hall watching them pass in between classes. I'd be jutting a story, a story idea down. I tend to put um, on the blank side some one-word or two-word uh, um, indicator of the scene, you know, and then as much detail, sometimes a line of dialogue, sometimes a descriptor, sometimes this happens, that happens, and then I wind up with a pile of index cards, and I get up with a cup of tea, like you heard mm -hmm. before, and either spread them out on the floor or on the table, and you put them in order, and that, that's how I build an outline. Second bit, second technique I heard uh, the famous author, uh, Joyce Carol mm. Oates, talk about her technique. She, uh, God bless her, she's built like olive oil, you know, <laughs> tall, thin, God bless her. Um, but she's a runner, and she runs every day. And here's her writing technique, her pre-writing, her brainstorming technique. When she begins her run, whatever project she's working on now, she starts it as if you were seeing a movie in your head. And as she's running, she pictures the story progressing. And if she bump, hits into a bump, she fixes it and then continues on. Conceptually, you don't mean if she trips and, and falls down a, a mountain or something, right? No, no. Yeah, uh, right, right, okay. right. And she continues this process until she can run, you know, uh, her, her whatever amount of time she runs, a couple of days in a row, watching the story from beginning to end without any glitches. And only she, after she can do that a couple of days in a row does she start writing it. And she says, in that way, I'm really just transposing it, mm. which I found fascinating, mm -hmm. right? So what we're saying about the daily, uh, daily writing habit is there's a million ways to get it, but you got to yeah. get it, yeah. right? And I, I constantly tell my students, you know, I, I teach uh, screenwriting at the New York Film Academy. I'm constantly telling my students wherever they come from and whatever their age range is, if you put in no less than 20 minutes a day on your screenplay, you will reach the deadlines that you've been given because you are constantly adding to the material. And I will say to them, it doesn't mean you have to write a scene within those 20 minutes. It doesn't mean that you have to have developed, you know, some major moment in those 20 minutes. It could be 20 minutes, 
you're thinking about it, working on it, and you come up with additional dialogue to a scene, or you come up with a location and you describe that location. You're putting together pieces. And at a point when you put in more time, uh, you know, in a sit down, you put those pieces together. And, but it's, it's about constantly adding a brick to the building. So that at some point, right. if it. you constant, if you constantly add a brick to the building, eventually the building will That's be true. done. Now, and let's yeah, talk about Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, now. I said now, and you said, and let's. And so here we are. As we sit here and talk about routines and habits and practices that both Chris and I are fully aware of, and, and Chris, more so than I, has been a, a disciplinarian about giving himself specific time to write each day and so forth. You can contradict me if you wish, Chris, but that's the way I think of you. Um, well, God bless you. I'm not going to mess with your image. <laughs> you know, every, every entertainer in the world has an image, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> but I, I, am, I am more a seat of the pants kind of person in that, you know, I'm, I'm involved in a number of different things. And so I did not develop that particular habit of, yes, every morning or every afternoon or every evening of each day, uh, five days a week or whatever, I set aside that time. So sometimes there's an explosion of time and, and creativity, and sometimes there's a dry spell. In this particular case, Chris and I, for the past few years, have you know sat down from time to time and rode the trail of adventure or, or to adventure uh, with Blackjack, and he has written stories separate from me and vice versa, or we've written stories together. And a year ago this past April, I came up with um, an idea for a story, Blackjack Adventure, that would take a, a radical yeah. idea, a dangerous <laughs> idea, a controversial <laughs> idea. And it gets more so every day. Every single headline yeah. makes it more of one yep, of them. Yep, yep. <laughs> but nevertheless, people over politics, you know. That's right. Comics over I, chaos. You know, I said, here's... Yeah, and I'm going to be traveling through the countryside where some of this will take place. And let's, let's look at coming up with a storyline or two storylines that would complement this and blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail right now. I'll simply say, came up with the idea in April. Went traveling through the countries, a particular European country uh, in May. Went back in November, was invited back to do more master classes in writing and production and, and promotion of comics and graphic novels did that four or five cities right all that because he is a badass yeah. ladies and, and i'm a nice guy too okay and i do all of this stuff badass nice i get oh said so on you his know it's, it's, it's like <laughs> badass mo anyway yeah so anyway <laughs> there i am there i am with all this material now chris hit the research trail while i hit the globe trotting trail both of us acquiring material that we needed to write what we decided was going to be two separate stories that would tie together. One would lead into the other. Both of us gathered material over like seven months. So theoretically, understanding we know these disciplines and these habits, we should have had a rough draft by, let's say, if we had everything we needed in research by December, by March, April, we should have had you know, so a year from concept, we should have had 
the books finished. Max. Slam dunk. Yeah. Plus, you know, we and then we, we know how <laughs> this is done, right? You know, and we're professional, you know. Mm. So why don't you ask us, folks, <laughs> when did you finally get the stories done? Chris? Well, <laughs> there we were this summer <laughs> saying, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. And then we realized we needed something else. We needed something else to push us over the top. Or Cliff. Now, <laughs> or, or Cliff. Now, sometimes you can do the reward system, right? Yep. And you, you write, you make your pages, you finish your project, you get this reward. And that's a beautiful thing when it works. Mm -hmm. That is really gorgeous. Sometimes that happens. I, uh, uh, I know uh, I, I will reward myself once in a while. Sometimes that's, that's really a wonderful thing. But that wasn't working over here. Nope. So we needed, rather than the carrot and the stick, we needed know, a stick at another we, we area. We needed a really big stick, yeah. maybe a sword of Damocles hanging over our head. I was putting the stick at the other end, but okay, that's fine. That's <laughs> yeah. right. You got, you got the stick on one head and the sword on yeah. the other, and you got to get finished. So what we came up with, <laughs> and I, I pitched this to Alex, I said, listen, we have to have something that we don't want to do that will happen, that we will be honor-bound to, to fulfill if we don't make our deadline. We'll call it the drop-dead deadline. I don't you don't know. remember what it was. Yeah, it was drop-dead drop deadline, dead deadline dilemma or something. Like a, ch a, ch a charity contribution or something like that. So... We said to each other that if we did not finish these uh, Blackjack stories by a certain date, we would write a $100 check to a charity that we love so much, we would not, you know, renege on it. So there's a charity that helps um, older comic book artists with um, medical care and that kind of stuff. And while we'd love to give them to them on a regular basis, we both have real real world budgets and all that sort of stuff. So one, we knew we wouldn't blow them off. But two, we knew we couldn't afford an extra hundred dollars out of our budget. So that was the deal. If we didn't finish, we'd have to write a hundred dollar check. Now, to be totally transparent, I did try and lobby for we'd have to write a check to some organization that we hated, that we absolutely would never think of for a moment. So I was adding not only the sword over the head and the whip at the butt, but also the, the hot burning lava beneath the feet. <laughs> and I would have, and I was able to admit, I was more than willing to admit, I would blow that check <laughs> off in a heartbeat. <laughs> Hell with those people, right? So a check that I, you know, that would help people I respect and who were heavy influences throughout my childhood and into my adulthood. That's a lot harder to ignore. Yeah. And that's why we went with that one. Um, the result, of course, was we are finished. Our, uh, I'm finished with your rewrite uh, trial by fire completely, yeah. except 
upon rewrite demands, editorial demands. Alex reads this and says, what? That's crazy. Blackjack would never well, wear B- is... Bermuda shorts. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right. Why you got Blackjack in Bermuda shorts? You got to change that. Then I will write, rewrite that. Flip flops. But, uh, and Alex has his finished to the point where he had agreed to be finished. Um, and now I'm doing rewrite. Not ready for me to see yeah. yet, but almost, you know, at, you know, there. So we met our goals after a year, what? a year and a half of not making progress. Yeah. yeah. And so the drop dead deadline, well, checkbook deadline, is, uh, is something that we can suggest as a way that would help keep the hellhounds behind you. And keep you right. I think it, it, it is to some degree, obviously, about, you know, what you consider the worth of your word. Uh, because I know Chris and I, uh, I certainly painfully, would have written the check. We would have made it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't have gone, well, look, realistically, I can't afford this. So uh, it doesn't count. No, no. no. You, you know, you screwed up. You take responsibility. And that, again is what we're talking about in terms of meeting a deadline drop dead deadlines they do exist and and they are there for a reason and some editors uh to to tell a secret that everybody knows but nevertheless uh some editors will give you a date a deadline that's actually weeks before they really 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 need it because they don't trust which which is good they don't trust and i highly suggest lying to yourself and setting an earlier exactly but the danger there is saying, well, that's not really the deadline. Well, you, yeah, but you can't say that. You know, the, the reality right, is, you, right. you, and again, editors use this because you know they've worked with freelancers, they've worked with writers and illustrators and, and composers and whatever else, and, 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 and even you know, day-to-day guys. You know, the, the, uh, the, uh, construct, the contractor said the house will be finished by, yeah, really. So the reality is, yeah, you give a deadline, and if that deadline is a real, real deadline or it's uh, an early deadline, or the drop-dead deadline, they're supposed to be met. And for you as an artist, certainly the way Chris and I have experienced pros and cons, when you make your deadline, you know, you're golden in that respect. You kept your word, you turned in work that was needed for other people to check on, see, do things with, and so everybody's, you know, able to stay on track and on a schedule that allows a professional program to happen. You know, because publishers have commitments they have to meet and in order to meet those commitments they set up a schedule and your contribution is a part of that you know you're part of a bigger machine but the other end of it too is building that muscle which sometimes you know you twist your ankle you know literally you 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 miss it but then take responsibility for that except i missed it you know don't don't him and haw don't don't fall sis don't try and deflect blame onto somebody else. Uh, I've had some experiences with that where people went, well, you have to understand. I said, no, no, no I, I don't, actually. You, you didn't do what you say you were going to do. Plus, you're hanging out rather than focusing on. So that's not working for me. So you have to understand people are going to look at you not only for your writing capabilities or your illustration capabilities, whatever your art, craft, or skill is, but they're also going to look at you in terms of your reputation. You want to build a career, you want to get more work, you want to make more money, your reputation needs to be equal to that. And when you, you want to be taken seriously, right. and when you, when you, you got to take yourself seriously, when you it. mess that up, you have to understand there's a penalty for that. Maybe it'll be a light one the first couple of times, 
But if you become repetitious in that bad habit, then yes, you will absolutely just destroy your credibility. So even like, you know, Chris and I just admitted, and this is a deadline that we imposed on ourselves, uh, the first one, and then, you know, we had to do what we do did in order to get this done. Um, we had to take responsibility for that. We, we, we couldn't just say, oh, well, you know, it's not really that important. No, it is important. It's important for a number of reasons. So let's take responsibility and figure out how to make it happen. Um, I, I did want to also say that um, you know, habits are, are great things to do. And I, I think I mentioned earlier about trying to get things out of your way that, that are stumbling blocks. Uh, again, I'm going to mm-hmm. quote, I'm going to quote James Clear. He talked about, it's, it's a great example. It's a common denominator or universal example. He said, you know, he loves apples and he loves to eat apples and he would buy apples for a long time. He would buy apples and he'd put them in the crisper in the refrigerator and forget about them. And then he'd remember them and go in there and some of them had, had spoiled and, you know, turned around and he'd get pissed at himself. He said, for some reason he kept doing this. So one day, you know, his mind went, uh, bowl on counter, apples in bowl. You see them. You don't have to go through a door. They're not hidden from you. You walk by, oh, apple, mm, mm, and it worked. Uh, another example he gave of a, a man who felt that he was constantly eating uh, peanuts too much, constantly eating them. He, he had to get that under control. He was having trouble with that. So he actually he kept the peanuts in this container. He took the container out into his garage and put it up on the top shelf. And not that he couldn't reach it. But if he's sitting in his living room and he suddenly has the impulse to, you know, just shove a bunch of peanuts in his mouth, no, he's got to get up, leave the house, go into the garage, get a ladder, go up the ladder to get the container with the peanuts. That's more than enough time to go, eh, I don't really need them now. And it sort of right. changed his habit, you know, that instant habit. So getting things out of your way that prevent you from doing the good stuff for yourself and putting more barriers in the way of the negative stuff is a way of supporting your creative habits. Give yourself a writing area or writing routine. Uh, I can, Chris and I can write in noisy places or we can write in quiet places. We've given ourselves permission to go either way, depending. So it's a little, you know, a little more flexible, but it's also, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you need that energy, you know, that, that, that white noise, not being racial, you need that white noise around you. So it's an energy in and of itself. But you don't have to affect it. You don't have to. You don't have to wait tables. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to talk to any of these people. So you can sit there with that ambient noise happening, that energy happening, and write. And you can write longhand mm-hmm. or on your computer or into your phone. A number of my students do work on their phones. Lord help their eyes years from now. Uh, but you know that's how they function. And as long as you get the work done, get that first draft out, loose, rough, lousy, whatever. Get it out. It's so much easier to rewrite than to face a blank screen or a blank page for days and weeks on end and start to feel overwhelmed and depressed and walk away from it. Uh, you got you to gotta let it suck and just get the version out. <laughs> yeah, let it suck. Let it suck. <laughs> yeah, it suck. And then, really, that, you know, you get the draft out and then you go back and make it suck yeah, less. Yeah, exactly. Right? Now, I'm going to say, because Chris and I can go on for hours, and we will one day. But um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make an offer to uh, the folks that are listening. Uh, Chris and I have two things. We have um, tools that we use or techniques or suggestions that we use for creating characters. We have suggestions that we use for how we create plots and things like that. And we have suggestions that we use for other techniques 
that allow us to get the job done and tell the damn story. So um, I'd like to know if any of the people out there would like us to send them, like, let's say, um, a short list of questions we ask when we're creating characters. You know, we create character biographies uh, because the better you know your character, the easier it is to write him or her or it. So if you'd like a list of the type of questions that we, that we use, you know, we have a couple of them, and I would be willing to send that to you. So all you have to do is... I have a list of, uh, I have a list of 20 questions, 10 from the past and 10 from the present, that I handed out at the um, Mystery Writers Conference when I was on one of the panels just last weekend. So here's what, you, here's what you do. Chris has got something for you. I've got something for you. All you have to do is write to our Tell the Damn Story email address, right, which is right there on the screen um, and or in the content page there, and then let us know what you would like. You know, would you would you like that list, or send me send me one of your tips sheets or your guide sheets to help me as a writer. You do that, and if you want, you can even ask us, you know, a question at that time too. You can say, "Look, I'm struggling with such and such. What would you suggest?" Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we'll be more than happy to to do that. But right now, all I'm asking you to do is email us and um, ask for whatever guide it is that you would like to have. And Chris. Help us yeah. help you. Uh -oh. Help there, us. There you go. Help you. Just <laughs> one more, get one more time. One more time. And we will send you this material free of charge, no strings attached. Act now and get your leaders help and gutters. Us yeah. Help you. Right. So here's the That's address. Right. There will be, unfortunately, no Ginsu knives. Right, included, right, right. But right. some writing help, some writing tools will yeah. come. So here's the email address. I'm going to say it, but I'll also, it's posted. It's, uh, it, you know, obviously, you're going to be writing to tell the damn story. So the email address is tt, that's Thomas Thomas, ttd, as in David, s, on air at gmail.com. So that's ttds, tell the damn story, ttds, on air, all one word, at gmail.com. You ask, we'll send. That's it, right, Chris? We just we just did another uh, one. Uh, I think we just did another tell the damn story. Yes, and we sold it. And this one was about helping you. Yes, and tell the damn story. Exactly, and and we'll do that again. So until then, keep doing it. Keep doing yeah. it. That's all. That's the only way to do it is to do that's it, right. baby. Just make it a habit. Have a good time, and we'll see you, there you next go. time. Take care, Chris. Good talk Thanks. to you, man. Take care. Bye, bye, bye everybody. Peace.